The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, my blood sugar would just keep spiking. And this happened a few times. And I was like, why does my blood sugar act this way? It goes down, up, down, up, 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 up. And I was like, why is it Chinese food that is doing this to me? But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Hello and welcome back to the Insulone Podcast with myself, Owen Costello, and my good friend, Graham. I hope you've all had a great week. Me and Graham have just been on a video call here. We always have a nice chat before we start recording for the podcast, and we've just had about a 30-minute conversation that got very deep. And to be honest, in my defense, I've watched a TV show and it's actually available in America on Hulu, in England on the iPlayer and in Ireland on the RT player. It's called Normal People. And I know this is, I am hijacking this podcast to talk about it. Look at this show. (laughs) Within less than a minute. But I've never watched anything that has affected me as much in my life. And uh, I'd highly recommend watching it. So obviously your life is going to be a lot different come this time next week when you've watched it. So I I would actually like your opinion on it this time next week, Owen, please. Yeah, you you kind of have me nervous to watch it now based based off what you've been saying. I'm in a very happy relationship, but I feel like I've been broken up with by these two characters in this TV show. It's, it's ridiculous. But how has your week been anyway? I've been watching, binge-watching TV series. <laughs> yeah, my week's been good. Uh, I've had one of those weeks, which is quite rare, but it's been working out well for me, where it almost feels like you don't have diabetes at all. But it was almost like everything that I was doing was just working perfectly together. Anytime I checked my blood sugar, it was just exactly where I wanted it to be. It was flatlined with exercise. I think I was motivated after last week's podcast. But then yesterday, out of nowhere, got smacked in the face with the diabetes brick and got three low blood sugars in one day. So it was a tough day yesterday, I have to say. So would there be any particular reason why all week... It's like you don't even have diabetes, and then boom! Yesterday, is there 
anything in the environment or anything like that or is it just so random and sporadic obviously you can do your best exercising and uh, watching your diet but is was there any reason in particular can you see when you're living with diabetes it's like every hour of every day you're standing on a seesaw and you constantly need to have that balanced and inevitably there are going to be times when you stand too much to the left and it tips or too much to the right and it tips again. And I think this week it was so perfectly balanced because I was eating. Now I always do eat well, but I was eating well. I was kind of consistently eating the same types of stuff each day. And then it could be like one dose of insulin that I take for a certain meal that drops me that slight bit too low. I have to treat that low. I eat then too much sugar or glucose to bring myself back up. And then you can take too much insulin and you can go too low. And then it's like you're in this diabetes spiral. So I think it initially started yesterday because I think I must have, I took one unit too much for a meal before I went to bed. I woke up with a low blood sugar, overtreated that low blood sugar, went high took insulin, went low again. Then I was exercising and it was just, it was all over the place. But sure, that's part of diabetes. So you just kind of need to roll with the punches really. It's mad how it can be so perfect for so long. And then one kind of mini little slip has a knock-on effect to the rest of the day. And then you're just trying to catch up on yourself constantly. I think it's diabetes kind of giving you a gentle reminder of, I'm still here, (laughs) I'm still here. No matter how disciplined you are, how hard you work to control it, I'm still hanging around. (laughs) Uh, Let's get to this week's title of the episode. And basically, we're going to discuss how different foods affect your blood sugar. So I'm going to just throw foods at you, different foods, and you tell me how they affect your blood sugar and what you do to treat either your high or your low, okay? Mm -hmm. I just want to just sorry, Graham, briefly, before we get into the foods themselves. I just want to outline how how important food is with diabetes. You need, just like exercise when I was talking about it last week, if you view the food you eat as another form of medication, it's going to be a lifesaver with your diabetes. So I always say if you control what goes into your mouth, you're going to control your diabetes. To an extent, it's not going to be perfect, as I've just said, but the more you control how much food and what type of food goes into your mouth, the easier your diabetes will be. Every single bite of food you take has the potential to influence your mood, your blood sugar levels, your hormones, your energy, your ability to sleep, everything. It's the fuel that goes into a car, the food that you eat. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> no, that's perfect. No, exactly. It makes a lot of sense. So first off, what about fruit? You're having some fruit, how would that affect your blood sugars? So fruit is one of my one of my favorite parts of my diet. I love fruit. I eat it all the time. I eat about six apples a day, and it's just kind of what works for me. I love eating fruit. But I just want to outline first before I dive into it properly, all type one diabetes is the same, but there is no diabetic who is the same. We'll each have various responses to the food that we eat the exercise that we do so i could eat an apple and 
my blood sugar could stay consistent. I may not get a spike. Whereas a diabetic down the road could eat an apple and their blood sugar could spike through the roof. So what I'm going to say about different types of food here will be purely from my own study and my own personal experience and like the trial and error that I have gone through eating these foods throughout my diabetic years. So as I said, fruit is a major part of my diet. I love it, but fruit can be packed full of natural sugars, which can impact your blood sugar as much as artificial sugars can. Maybe not as rapidly, but they can still have a huge impact. So if you want to have a lot of fruit in your diet, it is maybe a better option if you stick to lower carb or sugar fruits like strawberries, peaches, blackberries, avocados. And then on the other side of that, the high carb sugary fruits that may spike you more are apples, bananas, pineapples. I actually get a big spike off pineapple, but I love it. So it's kind of worth it. (laughs) Moving on from fruit, what about the likes of pasta and rice? Pasta and rice are two very, very popular carbohydrate sources. And I think not even just in the diabetes world, I think just as a whole, rice and pasta kind of get a bad rap. And people think that pasta and rice are going to make you fat or make you gain weight. That is just not the case. There seems to be this universal opinion that carbohydrates make you fat. That is just not true. What matters is your total daily calorie intake. And one gram of carbohydrate equals four calories. One gram of protein equals four calories. One gram of fat equals nine calories. So you can be eating the same amount of protein as you are carbohydrate, and they can be equal to the same calories. So people think that if I eat a low-carb diet, I'm going to lose weight. You will lose weight if you're in a caloric deficit, but that's a different thing. So <laughs> carb, <laughs> car- <laughs> carbs are something I enjoy eating. I do always adhere to a relatively low-carb diet because that works for me, and more often than not, the less carbs you eat, the less insulin you will require because carbohydrate is the main macronutrient that will basically force your pancreas to secrete insulin to counteract that blood sugar spike. But if you are diabetic, obviously you need to take insulin externally. So with brown and white pasta, nutrition-wise, they're almost identical. But for a diabetic I would always tend to go for whole grain or whole wheat option because the fiber content is a lot higher. And because of that high fiber content, it's going to slow down digestion and basically will result in a slower, more delayed spike. So you can kind of spot it before it happens. Whereas if you eat loads of white rice, you'll spike pretty fast after it and you'll find it difficult to counteract that sudden rise. So generally, when you speak of carbohydrates with diabetes, it's always the best option to go for something which is called low glycemic carbohydrates. So that basically means low glycemic is basically the relative ranking of carbs in the food according to how they will affect your blood sugar. So if something is low on the glycemic index that basically means that there's going to be a slower release of that carbohydrate so you won't get a crazy spike where you're kind of lost at what to do 
So generally, whole grain and brown rice and or pasta are always the, the better options to go for. In a typical meal, how many grams of carbohydrates in terms of pasta and rice would you have? I would have the same amount each time I'm eating it. So a lot of the time with diabetes, it, there's a lot of trial and error with it. So you can eat a certain food and you will eat it. You'll take insulin and then say an hour and a half, two hours later, you will check your blood sugar to see if you've taken enough insulin. Now, if you eat something and then an hour and a half or two hours later, you see your blood sugar is too high, that will mean that the next time you eat it, you will need more insulin. And then if you ate that meal and an hour or two later you went low, that would prove that you took too much insulin. So I always say to people, if you're living with diabetes, it's important to live consciously with the food that you eat. So instead of getting up, eating your breakfast, eating your lunch, eating your dinner, having a couple of snacks and checking your blood sugar at the odd time. Live consciously in terms of the food that you eat. And what I mean by that is take a mental or a physical note of the food that you're eating, the carb count in it, the insulin that you needed for that meal so that you know for tomorrow or the next day or a week down the line that, okay, I had 50 grams of pasta and I took three units of insulin, but my blood sugar was slightly high. So this time I eat it, I'm going to take four units of insulin. So for you to consciously be aware of the dose that you're taking for a certain meal is really, really, really important for your overall diabetes health and going, going into the future. Uh, we've kind of touched on some healthy foods, fruit, of course, being healthy, pasta and rice are good for you as well. And kind of need them but let's kind of talk dirty food <laughs> the likes of pizzas chinese and take getting into food. the good stuff because of course you've got to treat yourself every now and of course again. you do as i do so tell us about that if you're it's a friday night and you're ordering a takeaway pizza chinese how will you prepare and how will they affect your blood sugars See, it's, it's funny when if you, if you get a pizza or you get a Chinese or something like that with diabetes, it's a whole ordeal. And it's like, you need, <laughs> you need to prepare. You need to know, you need to know how you're going to tackle this whole thing, how you're going to respond and react for the hours after you eat this meal. So I remember like Chinese food has always been my, my favorite food to eat and we used to always get a Chinese every Friday, even after I got diabetes, because I was like, oh, I love it. And it's something I look forward to. So I'm just going to do it. And I remember this was kind of before I was living as consciously, let's say, with my diabetes. So I used to eat a Chinese. I take my insulin and my blood sugar would go low. I would treat that low blood sugar. And then for like, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve hours afterwards, my blood sugar would just keep spiking. And this happened a few times. And I was like, why does my blood sugar act this way? It goes down, up, down, up, 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 up. And I was like, why is it Chinese food that 
is doing this to me. I then obviously wanted to figure out what was happening because you would eat this Chinese food, you'd go low, and then because you were going high for so long after, you wouldn't sleep properly that night. And then you'd wake up the next morning and your blood sugar would probably still be high. So I was like, I need to make a change if I want to confidently eat Chinese food. So I looked into it and it's actually something called the pizza effect, right? So let's just use a pizza for namesake. So the pizza effect is basically outlining the reaction in your body if you have diabetes and you eat pizza. So when you eat a pizza, there are huge amounts of carbohydrate, huge amounts of fat in that pizza. The fat in that pizza will slow down the rate at which food empties from your stomach into your intestine and then eventually into your bloodstream so with normal food that digests properly you'll take your insulin you'll eat the food and then hopefully that will kind of keep you in a balance whereas when, when you eat pizza because of the fat content it slows down the release of the carbohydrate let's say and the, and the sugar into your bloodstream so what was happening to me when i was eating chinese i was injecting my fast acting insulin that started working in my body 10, 15, 20 minutes after I injected it. I would eat the pizza. My insulin would peak at 60 to 90 minutes, causing my blood sugar to drop. Because of the high fat content in the pizza or the Chinese, nothing would even be released into my bloodstream yet. So it was almost like I was injecting insulin into my body and not eating any food at all because of that delayed release, basically. So you take your insulin, eat your pizza, blood sugar drops. Nothing's yet happening in your body. Because your blood sugar dropped, you treat it. Then a couple hours after you eat the pizza, the glucose is released into your bloodstream, causing that spike to go up and up and up and up and it is a nightmare the amount of sleepless nights i've had because of that but if you know how to combat it basically the two best ways to treat the pizza effect and i think this is quite relevant now because people around the world are locked indoors and food cravings are probably more active than usual and people are treating themselves which is something you should do but the two best ways to combat this are to either split your insulin dose in two. So take half your insulin, say, before that, and then half half an hour or an hour after you eat the food, or else completely delay your injection time. So it's been a while now, but the last time I had a pizza, I think it was the last time I had a pizza, I ate the pizza and didn't inject myself for like 45 minutes afterwards because I knew it wasn't yet being released into my bloodstream. So... That's uh, that's a complicated insane. one. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I just want to get a takeaway. I just order a takeaway and then it comes to my door and I eat it and I don't have to worry about anything. It's just mad to think all the, the different processes, all the different steps you've got to think through just to enjoy a pizza. Moving on, and I'm not diabetic, but there is only one thing on a list here I have in front of me that I maybe can relate to in terms of food and drinks, and that is coffee. 
because as a man who has irritable bowel syndrome, I have to really <laughs> re- regulate my coffee intake or I'll spend a lot of it on uh, on the toilet bowl, unfortunately. What is it like for you? Because I have to have mine one in the morning and one six hours later. And if I have any more, I'll get stomach pains and I'll be on the toilet all day. Um, <laughs> I, I, was, I was wondering... Was that going to be mentioned when we started talking about coffee? <laughs> shout out all the irritable bowel syndrome uh, listeners waiting for their big <laughs> <Yeah>. shout out. <laughs> what is it like for diabetics? Uh, okay. get a coffee? So coffee and caffeine can basically have one. It can have one of three effects. Let's say it can either spike your blood sugar. It can either do absolutely nothing or else it can drop your blood sugar. Now, I find it strange that some people actually see a reduction in their blood sugar when they drink coffee because the idea to me of eating or drinking something and having your blood sugar actually drop is weird, but that can actually happen. So for me, when I drink coffee or any caffeine drink, my blood sugar usually will tend to spike. So I know I touched on the dawn effect last week with that early morning blood sugar rise, but I'm like you, I have to have a coffee in the morning. It's now just so a part of my day that I really look forward to. I love having a coffee. I'll probably drink too much coffee. But for me, the caffeine will give me a slight spike. So I usually have to take about one unit of insulin for coffee. And that's just plain black coffee. That's how I like it. I don't add any sugar any cream, milk, or anything. So obviously, if you're having a coffee and you're adding milk or you're adding sugar or sweeteners or whatever it may be, be conscious of the fact that you will more than likely need to inject insulin. But as well, if you if you overconsume caffeine, it can be quite stressful for your body because you're drinking so much caffeine. And as a result of that, you can actually release stress hormones like cortisol. And just like stress itself, cortisol in your body will cause your blood sugar to spike. So have we spoken about that yet on here? About like Um, the fight or flight? Yes, basically. um, I definitely recognize cortisol and uh, the fight or flight. You're talking about that before. So that can happen when there's too much caffeine in your system. Yeah. Now, obviously, again, each person is going to react differently and... You could have one cup of coffee and you could be bouncing off the walls, whereas I could have three and I'd be fine. I just need a small bit of insulin. But yeah, just be aware of that potential cortisol spike resulting then in a a lovely blood sugar spike too. Uh, What about it's the food that seems to be always associated with diabetics, but we've talked about it in previous episodes and we've kind of debunked that myth before, but chocolate. What kind of effect does chocolate have on your blood sugars? So chocolate will have a similar effect to that of pizza or Chinese food because it's very high fat content. Now, it's not going to be as drastic as a pizza or a Chinese, but chocolate also gets a bad rap and it's one of those foods where it's like, you're diabetic, you can't eat chocolate. And because of that, people will get diabetic chocolate, which is rotten. And some of the sweeteners that they use in diabetic chocolate as a substitute will actually sometimes act as a laxative. So, <laughs> so, so that's not, stay away yeah. from that stuff. So that's not <laughs> ideal. But chocolate itself, because it has obviously sugar in it, it will 
most likely result in a blood sugar rise. So it's important to carb count for, for chocolates and be able to know your exact dose that you'll need. But saying that there are healthier types of chocolates, I love dark chocolate. And I actually only made homemade chocolate almonds the other day. Did you see them? No, oh, I missed it. So good. But there's chocolate that you can get that has like a higher cacao content that won't spike your blood sugar as much. And chocolate actually contains a number of beneficial nutrients. And one of them is called flavonoids, which is basically a plant-based nutrient that's thought to guard against heart disease. Now, that doesn't mean that you can eat loads of chocolate and it's going to help you and be beneficial overall for your diabetes. That's not really the case. But it's not as bad as shoveling pure sugar or jellies into your mouth. Would chocolate be in the same bracket as, say, sugary sweets? I wouldn't put it in the same bracket because you wouldn't get you wouldn't get as violent a spike as if you were to just kind of like if you got a pick and mix bag. You know those bags they they would yeah. put you through the roof. And it's funny just before we hopped on this podcast, I was flicking through Instagram for a second, and you know those like the old fashioned pick and mix. One of those for what I can't even remember what it was. One of those came up on my page and just looking at it nearly made my blood sugar spike. You know? and, but it, it reminded me of, because I, I used to love, and still do, I used to love sweets when I was growing up. And we have a little house down in Rosslare and Wexford that we used to go to for the summertime all the time. And there was a little corner shop that we always used to go to. And you used to have a pound back then and if you went in there with a pound, you were rich because you go in and you get a pound worth of jellies and it would feel as if you were holding a pound in weight of jellies. And uh, yeah, looking at that, the photo of that kind of spiked my blood sugar and made me feel very nostalgic too. So, Didn't you used to work in a sweet shop Oh, when you were I diabetic? Ne- yeah, I never mentioned that. Yeah, <laughs> Twice. You worked in one in Ireland and then one in Vancouver where we met. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how is this chap a <laughs> diabetic but you know, surrounded by sweets? Stop, yeah. But what's so funny and what was so funny about that is I never used to bring in low treatment to work because anytime my blood sugar went low, sure, you're in, you're in heaven. You, <laughs> and sometimes I remember I'd be on my break or even just during work if it was slow, I would just take a little extra insulin and I'd be like, hmm, my blood sugar is definitely on the way down. Oh no. So, so, I'd, <laughs> so I'd have to eat sweets. And it was so funny as well. It was one of those like old fashioned type of sweet shops. So people used to come in and you'd, you'd have a chat with people as they were picking out their sweets and stuff because they'd be sweets from their childhood and it would be nostalgic for them. <laughs> people used to always say, I do, God, I don't know how you're not diabetic working in here. And I just say with a really straight face, I am, I am diabetic. And they're like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's gas. But yeah, perfect, uh, perfect place to have a low blood sugar. Um, we've gone through a lot here. And I think uh, there was a few more foods on my list, but I think we've done nearly a full episode now. So I'm pretty sure we could nearly touch on foods in a later episode. Unless you want to add anything on, I think we're nearly good. No, I think we've got a, a nice amount in today. I'll definitely like to touch on that in more detail later on and maybe even some drinks that we can touch on too but for now yep. good overview we know a bit more about fruits a bit more about rice and pasta 
definitely know a lot about the pizza effect now and how to tackle your next takeaway coffee yeah i think we're good to go chat you next week when you're going to watch that tv show oh, i am not i'm yeah. ner- i'm nervous to watch that <laughs> See you later. all right take it easy thank you for listening to the insulone podcast make sure to subscribe so each episode goes directly to your phone and don't forget to follow me on instagram at insulone and if you have any question you'd like answered on the podcast you can email it to the podcast at gmail.com.